Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Hello, Detroit Pistons fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Uh, I am your host, Mike Anguilano. With me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. We are just a couple hours off of another Pistons. Has it been a few hours? It seems like it's been a few hours. Maybe that's just the way time is moving now. Off of another Pistons game, which we'll get to a little bit here. Um... But I wanted to uh, let Aaron introduce himself once again. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy, on this chilly Sunday, this chilly week 17 of the NFL season Sunday? Well, speaking of the NFL, thankful that the Lions season is finally over. And what a game for them to end the season on. Uh, Just typical (laughs) there. Uh, But I'm doing all right. Definitely cold out. Got some snow. But, uh, you know, ready to talk Pistons with you. And uh, glad to be back after we weren't able to do a show last week. Yes, and we hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday season. Um, I This is always a weird time of year where uh, everything just is dark now and we don't really have as much to look forward to. But what we do have to look forward to is the Pistons maybe being feisty, maybe having some fun January, February doldrum games. Uh, those are the worst months of the year, even for good teams, uh, just because everything's cold and kind of bad out. And there's no real holiday to look forward to. But when you have a bad, when you're a fan of a bad team, boy, January and February are the slowest months of the whole year. Um, But maybe this time for the Pistons, they're fresh off of a um, defeat at the hand of the Boston Celtics, which we'll get to later. They seem to be pretty feisty, don't they, Aaron? Yeah, they're a a fun group. And we're going to get into a little bit more of what makes them fun and maybe what makes them not as fun uh, in a couple minutes. But there we are, a fun group yeah. overall that it seems like every night are going to come out and find ways to compete. And if you support tanking and, and you want the Detroit Pistons to lose a lot of games to get a high draft pick, uh, it, you really couldn't ask for a better start to the season. They've competed in every game that they've played and uh, are, you know, are one in five, but they have played six very closely contested contests. Uh, it's been fun to watch different guys on different nights have uh, nice games. And we've seen some players that have stepped up and, and some guys in new roles and new opportunities that have shined. So it's been fun to watch this group play. It's kind of opposite of last year where when it was a game day for the Pistons, you were kind of dreading having to turn that TV on or go to the arena. But this year it's been, it, it's been something that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch them play most, most of the time. There's going to be uh, bad plays, bad quarters, bad you know runs. But overall, in general, this team has been a lot more fun to watch this year, even though they've, yet, or they've only won one game out of their first six. Yes, uh, with a record of one and five. And, you know, that's going to happen with bad teams. And you did mention that they have some fun aspects. They have some not as fun aspects. Let's start off and rip the Band-Aid with one of the not as fun aspects of this team and, and who would have thunk uh, it's Blake Griffin. 
isn't that a little bit strange? Uh, <laughs> the staple of the roster, the big acquisition, maybe the last big acquisition for the Van Gundy era. Uh, he doesn't look so good. And it's a mobility thing. It's a shot thing. A lot of his shots are short. That it's really a bad sign, you know, if you're leaving everything short. Um, just doesn't look very good. Uh, Aaron, are the Pistons actually better off not playing Blake Griffin? It, it, it feels absolutely horrible to say this, um, considering everything that Blake Griffin has done for the Pistons so far in his tenure with the franchise, uh, leading them back into the playoffs, having a resurgent season just a couple years ago in which he got them to the playoffs. Uh, but right now, the Pistons have been a better team with Blake Griffin off of the floor. Uh, he missed the game uh, that the Pistons beat Boston just a few days ago. Uh, they won, they won 96-93. He missed that game in concussion protocol. I was anticipating that he was going to miss today's game, but he ended up playing and he did not play well. Uh, the Celtics got the game winning shot off of a play in which Blake Griffin got switched on to Jason Tatum and Blake Griffin's defense right now, and it's been trending in this direction since he got to Detroit, uh, but it's, it's completely non-existent currently. Uh, Blake Griffin is, I said this to, to a couple people earlier, but it's kind of like Blake Griffin is a forward, but he's not a basketball forward. He's a soccer forward, meaning he only plays offense. He only plays on one end of the court. Uh, and that's, that, that's not okay in, in, in basketball. You can't win basketball games essentially playing four on five. Uh, Blake Griffin has been nothing short of a disaster on the defensive end. He's pr barely even trying on that side of the court. He's giving up play after play, uh, letting players blow by him, uh, shoot over him. Uh, it's been utterly, to be quite frank, it's been utterly embarrassing to watch him compete on the defensive end so far when you know that he is a very talented basketball player and is capable of doing more on that end, not that Griffin has ever been an all defensive level player, but he's a better defensive player than what he has shown so far this season. And I get it. You're not playing for a, a very good basketball team. You're not playing for a basketball team. That's a, a playoff team, but that doesn't mean that you can just go out there and, and, and make $35 million and play on one end of the court when the one end of the court you're, that you're playing on, you're still not playing on very well. Um, so it's very worrisome. It's very troublesome. And, and then you look at the success that the Pistons have had when Blake Griffin is off the court. Uh, the Pistons would have won their Sunday game against the Celtics had Griffin not played. Uh, and they won their other game against the Celtics without Blake Griffin. Uh, Jeremy Grant looks better as a power forward. Sekou Dumboya, when he has played consistently on Sunday, he had he played 14 minutes, probably had either his, his best or his second best game of the season. Uh, there are just some other guys getting minutes at the forward spot that have looked pretty good. And, and Jeremy Grant has looked really good as the power forward because it allows the Pistons to play Sadiq Bay at the three and uh, Bay and Grant and even Josh Jackson before his injury. Uh, we don't know, you know, what his uh, status is moving forward, but he did suffer a right ankle injury on Sunday, but those three on the court together looked really good as three different wings, you know, all athletic, all long, all can, uh, you know, defend, shoot, dribble, all that kind of stuff. So uh, right now it's not, not been, not been good with Blake Griffin on the floor at all for the Detroit Pistons. I think it was last Jackson of the Detroit bad boys that posted um, the on off numbers for uh, 
Jeremy Grant when Blake Griffin was on the court versus when they were off the court. And Grant's numbers were much, much better with Griffin off the floor. I'd imagine that's the case for a lot of guys on this Detroit roster. Uh, it, 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 and sorry, it, it sounds horrible. And this is not meant to bash Blake Griffin, uh, this whole this whole tandem that I've gone on. But the Pistons have just been far and away better off without Blake Griffin uh, to start this season. And you know how you get off of a bad team that is not playing well? You play really well on that bad team and bust your butt, and they'll be able to move you. Um, he is making $36.5 million this year. That's a tough contract to move. He does have a player option for 2021, 2022. And um, there was an interesting stat that Duncan Smith posted as well on Twitter 32 of Blake Griffin's 54 I don't know if this was before the game ended or not 32 of Blake Griffin's 54 field goal attempts have been threes and I thought wow that's really it's really weird uh, that's really bizarre and then I went and checked and sure enough he's averaging almost eight three-point attempts per game um, he averaged six three-point attempts per game last year in a very limited sample size in his 2018-19 year when he was really good he averaged seven three-point attempts again the difference is he's only taking 12 shots a game this year. So we're looking at about eight out of 12 of his field goal attempts per game are coming from behind the three point line. Now I know that there's been a push to get him to shoot more threes to stretch the floor. Is this possibly just um, um, a a lack of a fit with this roster? Is this misuse by Dwayne Casey in the offense? Um, is, Is there maybe something behind Griffin's poor play to start the year we don't really have to get into the defensive front because he's never really been a really great defender. Um, but looking at it from an offensive perspective, is there some misuse perhaps uh, with this roster combined with the um, sort of the fit with him on this, on this very young team? Well, it, it, it was always going to be tough to space the floor with this Piston starting group from the beginning. Uh, Killian Hayes is not a knockdown shooter. Uh, Mason Plumley doesn't have much of a shot outside of the restricted area and Blake Griffin, you know, he can shoot, but he's, he's not a marksman. He's not a sharpshooter and he's not completely consistent uh, from the three point line. So it was always going to be a little bit wonky in that regard. Um, but it, it's bad that the majority of Blake Griffin shots are coming from beyond the arc, but everything that Blake Griffin has done inside the arc has seemed forced and he's just not getting to the basket when he posts up and tries to back down or tries to fade away and draw a foul. It's just not working. It's like he lost his, his strength or something. Uh, He's falling away because he can't get through players and he just doesn't seem to have the legs that he should have for a guy that, just had, you know, 10 months off of playing basketball. Uh, You mentioned a lot of his shots are short. That's sign of, of wear and tear. That's sign of, uh, you know, tiredness, you know, your body being tired. It's game, game six of the NBA season. And and one of the games you didn't play. So you're in your fifth game of the season. and, And this wasn't just a problem on Sunday. It's been a problem the you know, throughout the season so far, his shots are all coming up short. And that's not not a good sign when you're in game six of 72. There's a long, long way to go. Uh, and, and this fit for Blake Griffin on this team isn't great. 
kind of already talked about the Pistons look a lot better with three athletic, lengthy, lengthy wings. Uh, we talked about how Jeremy Grant looked a lot better at the four. Seku has looked good on the wing when he's gotten in. Uh, so it, it's been tough for Blake Griffin to, to, to get anything going. And when the other guys have looked better in his place, it, it just has not overall looked like a good situation for Blake Griffin with the Pistons. Yeah, and this is probably a topic for another day in the feasibility of trading Blake Griffin. And I pose this in the Palace of Pistons chat here. Um, with Giannis signing long-term, with LeBron signing long-term, that free agency class of 2022 is a little bit thinner. And there's been discussion of this in some of the Cavs group chats and whatnot as well. Um, does guys like Griffin and Kevin Love, larger contracts, does, does Giannis signing and LeBron signing drying up that free agency class, does that make some of those longer contracts with high, very high dollar amount, maybe too high of a dollar amount. Does it make sense for teams to take that on knowing that free agency is kind of fixed for 2022? Cause I know that there's some talk, at least with us, with us calf guys, with Kevin Love, um, he might be easier to move. And he's in as oddly a similar position to Griffin. You know, the Cavs actually played, seem to be playing better with Larry Nance Jr. on the floor, doing more facilitating than with Kevin Love out there, you know, being a much better shooter. Does, does the 2022 free agency class setup make it easier or harder to trade Blake Griffin? I, I would say easier, but I guess we'll have to see see what he looks like for the next couple games. I would say it's easier as well, um, but that's a lot, a lot of money to, to put on for a season with one guy. Um, I don't know what team would be willing to do that you kind of think well the pistons are bad they should they should be the team taking on bad contracts but the problem for detroit is they have jeremy grant sekou demboya uh, other guys that can play minutes at the forward spot the power forward spot uh, that blake griffin occupies and blake griffin when in the game just unless Dwayne Casey is willing to make radical changes to the offense, Blake Griffin commands the ball every possession. They run the offense through Blake Griffin. It's not working. It's just not. Uh, the other The other issue is right now, you, your hope coming into the season was that Blake looked good enough to where you could move him and maybe get an asset back. Right now, if you trade Blake Griffin, you will be the one attaching the asset. Uh, and do the Detroit Pistons want to do that? Does Troy Weaver want to do that? Uh, is that worth it? Or do you ride out this season and next season with Blake Griffin? And uh, do you get him to play in a lesser role? Uh, that's something that Detroit has to try to figure out uh, probably up until the trade deadline this year. Uh, I think they really have to kind of figure out what they want to do, what direction they want to go in. Those kind of contracts being signed by Giannis, by LeBron, uh, by Anthony Davis, that certainly makes me feel that uh, it would be easier to get a team to take on Blake Griffin for a season or, uh, you know, a season and a quarter if the Pistons were to trade him at the trade deadline this year. Um, but I don't know if the Pistons should do that, considering as of now they would be the one attaching an asset or, or maybe multiple assets to Blake Griffin in that kind of a trade. 
Yeah, it would certainly be tough. And he does have a 38, almost a $39 million player option for next year, which if you thought the Pistons were worried about Andre Drummond picking up his comparatively measly player option, they have to be, uh, you know, have their eyes just bulging out of their head looking at that next year because Griffin will most certainly be picking that up for whatever team he plays for. Um, anything else with Blake Griffin? I, you know, this is kind of tough. This is, this is real tough. You kind of hoping for Griffin to be the anchor, the guy that they, you know, the younger players can learn from that can be better because of, and actually them being, I, I was looking at it up while, while you were speaking, he is a negative eight and a half for a plus minus so far this year pretty tough now that's obviously his career worst not even not even close and plus minus is is a flawed stat so take a take that what you will but um this is this is a real tough situation to have him be so poor right out of the gate and you mentioned uh that the pistons would likely have to attach an asset with griffin yeah that's probably likely just given his contract and his apparent lack of health it would be quite the fantasy if uh, the Pistons did not have to attach any asset, but alas, um, that is just a fantasy. And speaking of fantasy, before we move on to our next topic, I wanted to let everybody know about the newest partner for the Palace of Pistons, and that would be Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props from NBA to NFL and even PGA. I do love some Good PJ action. Thrive Fantasy has you covered with a wide variety of player prop bets for everybody. Use promo code Palace. That's P-A-L-A-C-E. Palace. When you sign up today, and you will receive an instant deposit match up to fifty bucks on your first deposit of twenty or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. And again, that's promo code Palace when you sign up today, and you could sign up. Uh, again, off of the App Store or the Play Store or off of their website. Sign up and prop up today. Aaron, I don't know about you. I'm really excited about the Masters being so close together uh, from November to April. I'm really excited about that. So I will certainly be checking that out for some good PGA action. You know, back when golf was like the only sport being played, uh, and I, I like to golf. Um, I like to watch golf, but back when golf was the only sport really on, I was watching it every day, you know, every day that it was on. And I really got into it. I was, that's when I, uh, I was playing fantasy golf uh, when, you know, back, what was it? The, you know, the summertime and uh, you know, even late spring. Um, you know, I've, I've been playing thrive fantasy for a couple of weeks now. It's, it's, it's definitely pretty cool. It's different than your fan duel or your DraftKings. Like this is a, a different way to, to play a daily fantasy and it's, it's a really fun. I've, I've won, you know, multiple times. It's, it's a really neat uh, and, and fun app to play on. You can definitely, again, you can play it on the app store or the play store. You can download it, use code palace uh, and you're going to get a, a match of your deposit. Uh, you got to do a minimum deposit of $20, but super, super cool app. I would definitely recommend it. And yeah, I, I cannot wait for the masters. I love watching golf. It's funny. You would have asked me two years ago if I like to watch golf. I would have said I would have said that I, you know, I'd rather like work on homework or something. But now I, I love watching golf. It's 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 like up there with watching, you know, basketball to me. Uh, it, it's funny how that all changes, and it's funny because growing up, you know, I'd be at a family a family thing or a family party or something, and they'd have golf on, and you know, I'd be just sitting there on my phone or something. They'll be like, "Hey, wait five years. Wait, you know, wait until you grow up, and you're going to be watching this just like us." And 
Oh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot more fun playing golf. And then you go back and watch it and think of some of these shots these pros make. And you're like, oh, my God. I would have smashed that iron so far right. And they just have these perfect – it's it, these, these just perfect layups right on the green. You're thinking, oh, my God. These, these people are all aliens, clearly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. And I, and I know that Jake Rogers in, in, our, in our chat is just – his ears are burning red. He's, he's, he's the biggest uh, golf fan in our, in our chat there. But, hey, golf, um, you, yes, I'm very excited for the Masters. You played golf at the college level. I've been telling him, hey, you need to get out there with me and help me because I suck. Uh, and, and he's yet to do that with me. Yeah. If you're listening – uh, I get it. It's the winter now, but springtime, I'm expecting you to say, Hey, let's go up to this golf course and let me help you. Cause I need some help. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> getting that shot. Right. And it's just, I don't know if you, if you played like other sports now, I, I played baseball for a really long time and I was a pitcher, a starting pitcher for a very long time. And that's just repetition. I mean, your, your arm slots off just a little bit and, you know, the ball's not going to go where you want it to go. It's just repetition, getting that exact same motion. That's golf. That is getting the same swing and yikes. It's, uh, it's not very easy. There's a reason that I'm a bad golfer and obviously I did not go very far in playing uh, baseball. It was very, very worrying, but leading into worrying, this has led uh, to Pistons Twitter being lit on fire, which I feel like this is a daily occurrence for some sort of, it's at least a weekly occurrence for something. And if it's not, then it's a Lions ordeal that sort of takes over the timeline. Killian Hayes, and we went over this extensively a few weeks ago. Killian Hayes uh, has had some up and down, mostly down performances. He actually played pretty well to the Boston Celtics. He's had a quiet season for being such a highly touted player out of um, uh, international play. Are you worried about Killian Hayes so far and why is it no <laughs> i'm not not worried about killian hayes yet uh i have had a lot of people text me uh, call me worried about killian hayes telling me that this is just another bust another detroit piston player that uh, draft pick that won't pan out um let's take it very very easy on those kind of comments and those kind of concerns uh, the pistons started training camp 28 days ago uh, killian hayes played six NBA basketball games. He did not get a summer league. Uh, he did not get a summer to come over and, and come to, uh, you know, America after playing in Germany. He did not get any time to mingle and uh, get acquainted to the country and, you know, learn from his teammates. He got training camp and, and it was go play basketball. It was, he didn't get this off season that rookie point guards, yeah, rookies get. Uh, and, Let's face the facts. Rookies point guards come into the league and they struggle. It's just what happens. Mike, you can attest to it with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in Cleveland, who, by the way, now in Sexton's third and Garland's second year, respectively, both look very good. Uh, so we know, we knew going into it that it was going to be a process. It was going to take some time. Uh, I said before the draft that Killian Hayes was – the most NBA ready point guard in the draft and outside of his shot, not falling. That's still the case. He's still making great passes. He is still running the offense very well. And he is still a very good team defender, but he does not have confidence in his shot. 
and, and that's very, very clear right now. That is what is holding him back. He is not confident when he is out on that court shooting the basketball. He's rushing his shot. He's coming up short. He's afraid of getting blocked, of getting the ball poked away, of missing in general. Uh, so that is the problem with Killian Hayes right now. His performance overall has not been worrisome. It's going to take time. Uh, it, it's going to take time for him to get comfortable playing in the NBA, you know, running an offense with NBA-level players, going up against NBA-level defenses. Uh, this is a better basketball, basketball league than Germany, and it, it was always just going to take time. There is a very good player inside of Killian Hayes, and he has already done some wonderful things with the Detroit Pistons. His defense has been – you don't get a point guard to come in and play defense as a rookie the way Killian Hayes has this year. He's been very good on that end of the court. And his passes, if you're actually watching these games and not just looking at the box score, you're seeing some of the incredible passes and the setups that Hayes is making. You've seen already the development between him and Mason Plumlee as a roll, pick-and-roll threat. Uh, I'm not worried about Killian Hayes in the slightest. He's going to get more comfortable. He's going to get more confident as time goes on. He was playing pretty well on Sunday before having a quieter second half where he didn't get the ball as much and was taken out uh, as Dwayne Casey opted to play Derrick Rose in a closer game. Uh, but he was having a, a good performance. He had a very good first quarter. Uh, I'm not worried about Killian Hayes. Talk to me. I, I don't know if if Killian Hayes is playing this poorly you know, towards the end of the season. Then let's talk. And, and, and I say this poorly, not in the sense that Killian Hayes is playing bad basketball right now, but he's playing like he's afraid. Uh, he's afraid on offense. So if he's still not shooting the ball with confidence and he's still going quiet on offense at the end of the year, then let's have that conversation. But the, man, the, the kid has played six NBA games and we're already calling it a career. We're already calling him a bust. Um, I, I don't understand the the mob you know mentality of tearing down a player that doesn't perform right away tearing down a rookie that doesn't perform right away especially in Detroit because they immediately become Darko they immediately become a, a Stanley Johnson it all takes time it all takes time you know Killian didn't come out and and play like Seku did right out of the gates when when Seku got minutes in his rookie year last year. Seku came out, got minutes, and played really well. And then guess what? He hit a rookie wall. It's what happens. Some players get it at the beginning. Some players get it in the middle. And some players get it at the end of their rookie season. It's just what happens. Again, look at Darius Garland's stats in the first month of the year last year. Look at his October stats from last season. Look how they got better month after month after month. And now look at him this year and he, where he's playing really good basketball and, and the Cavs look like they're a pretty good basketball team, better than the Detroit Pistons, no doubt about it. Uh, I would preach patience with Killian Hayes. The Pistons were not going to be a competitive basketball team this year anyway. So this is a great opportunity for Hayes to acclimate himself to the United States, acclimate himself to NBA basketball and grow and develop as a player in a year where there is no pressure for the Pistons and him to win basketball games. Aaron, I'm very, very proud of you for bringing up Sexland uh, because they are the perfect comparison for Killian Hayes. And, you know, really, I think it's probably better to compare Darius Garland because he also had no college experience and played fewer. I mean, he played fewer, quote unquote, professional games uh, or college games than than Hayes did coming out um, of Vanderbilt. And, and, you know, I. I did want to pull up some of their stats and I will, 
and I will be doing that. And I will ask you to vamp in a moment so I, I can grab the monthly shooting splits. But uh, yeah, point guard is akin to a quarterback in the NFL. If and if and hey, <laughs> the Browns have had their fair share of quarterbacks. The playoff bound Cleveland Browns have had their fair share of quarterbacks. It's a tough position to play. You were you were the director of the offense. You're asked to do so much. And just like a, a quarterback, the point guard has to set up the offense. They have to direct the other players. They have to have the vision to set up the offense. That is not easy to do. It's one of the most difficult positions probably in all of sports across all other sports to to manage and to be outraged over Hayes having a a slow start is not unexpected you know when you draft a guy that high you want him to come out swinging and be really good right off the bat and it just isn't happening that does not mean he's a bad player that means he's learning uh you throw players into the fire sometimes by necessity Uh, very rarely do you throw them into the fire uh, because you just want to see somebody flail a bit. It's, it's by necessity. The Pistons needed a point guard. They drafted one. They're going to play him. Um, yeah. There are just some tendencies that you hope that get ironed out over the course of time. The shot selection is, is the one that you had brought up, not being really confident in particularly a floater. And Darius Garland was the same way. He had a pretty poor floater. He was able to create the space to get into the paint, to penetrate the defense. And then he got into the paint, and his floaters were pretty rough. Even the form just looked so bad. It looked like somebody that you, you know is very talented. And they're like, oh, my God, how did I get here? How did I get past the first layer of the defense? And now what do I do? And, you know, threw up a pretty bad floater. Terry Scarlin is averaging 19 points a game and seven assists per game. That's pretty freaking good, especially compared to where he was last year at this time. And I will figure out this uh, NBA stats. Vamp, vamp. Well, here's what I'll say, and I get it. You know, you might you said it. People, fans want guys to come out and, and perform right away at a high level. And again, outside of scoring the basketball, Hayes has done that. He is defending very well. And comparing him to Blake Griffin, watch those two run the offense. Or excuse me, not Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose. Watch those two run the offense. Derrick Rose has been a train wreck uh, trying to run the offense. Turnovers left and right, play after play, getting beat defensively every time. It's not it's not all going to click all at once for a 19-year-old. Hayes was one of the youngest players in the draft, coming over from another country. He is a kid. He is a kid. It's just – it's different. It, it, it takes time. It's really it. That's really what it comes down to. Point guards need more than any other position. They need time because, again, like you said, they are the quarterback of the team. So it is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it, it is not an easy situation to be in. And Hayes is going to have to take each play, each game in stride, learn from it, and grow from it. This is a kid. But Dwayne Casey talks about as, you know, watching film, you know, not taking any time off. He understands what he does wrong. He, and he's trying to watch film, you know, each and every day to better himself. He's got Derrick Rose, who albeit hasn't performed the best on the court, but is certainly a point guard that you would take tips from, uh, you know, talking about an MVP, an all-star, one of the one of the greatest what-ifs in league history if he didn't get injured. 
and the type of career he would have had. Learning from him, having him by your side as you grow in your first season is going to be very beneficial you know, for Killian Hayes. It's not something to be worried about unless it becomes a long-term issue. And you look at the performance on Sunday. When Killian Hayes shot the ball, he didn't shoot the ball very much. When he shot the ball, he looked a lot not better. And this goes back to Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin spent a lot of his time on the court when Killian Hayes was on the court. Blake Griffin runs that offense through and through. The ball goes to him, and he does what he wants. Whether he's posting up, he's running a dribble handoff, he is commanding that offense. So there's not always going to be a lot of shot opportunities for Killian Hayes when you have Blake Griffin and you have Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, who all of a sudden is taking you know double-digit shot attempts for games and is isolating down low and all this other stuff that I don't want to get into. Um, but there's not a million shot opportunities per game for Killian Hayes. And certainly he can take more shots and certainly he does look scared at times, but it's just going to take time. It it really comes down to that. I I would not be fretting. I would not be worried. Be thankful. If you're a fan of the Pistons, be thankful that you have two other rookies that are playing very good basketball right now. And uh, you know, take it in stride with Hayes. It's all going to come. Yep. And it takes, it takes time. Um, to get the feel for the game. And I, I do have the shooting stats uh, for Darius Garland here, October and November of last year. Uh, pretty bad. He shot about 38% from the floor. He was having about three turnovers a game. Just not, not playing very well at all. December, he did not play very well either. His plus minus was at a minus eight. He shot the ball a, a little bit better. Um gets a feel for, I mean, you could see it now when, when he's playing, he's just a lot more comfortable. So shooting around 38% last year in the first two months uh, of the season, again, with a really bad, with a really bad Cavs team. Um, he shot 50% in the first five games in the month of December. And they had one bad game in January where, where they did squeak out a win, but 50%, the turnovers uh, are, are down the three-point percentage is way up. It's just a confidence factor that is hard to it's it's hard to quantify, and it's going to depend on the team that you know is around him. And that's where Blake Griffin comes in. That's where Derrick Rose comes in. That's where you know having the other rookies around him also going through the same thing. There's going to be growing pains together. Um, Seku will be there as well, and and that's that's impactful. Um, but point guard's tough. Uh, I'm not worried. I know that you're not worried. I know that Pistons Twitter is obviously very worried. Um, They are going to be competitive in some games and they're going to be flat out horrible in some games. They probably should have beat the Warriors too. Um, Quite honestly, there were a lot of, a lot of plays in that game that, that were, that were really hard to watch that dictated the outcome of that game. Mason Plumlee and his isolations. Um, I, I am, I'm not worried. There's just nothing to be worried about yet. It's too early. If some of these bad habits start to stick um, and, you know, they can stick if he's not benched, if he's not moved around, you know, that's why he does get benched. That's why Derrick Rose is thrown into the game. You don't want these young guys developing bad habits um, and being put in terrible positions. So, you know, there is, there is a layer of, Hey, we want you to learn the game. We want you to be put into situations where you can, you can learn the game. 
but we also are going to pull you because we know that your growth is the most important part. And, and, you know, having your number seven overall pick being benched for Derrick Rose is not a great feeling because you feel like he should be better already, but that's the reality of just a, a, a young point guard. You got to rip them out of the situation when, when you know that bad habits could be forming or, or when you just don't want them exposed to things. That's why you have a Derrick Rose to take the load off when things are getting tough. Absolutely. I, I, I don't even know why it's really a question, honestly. Um, talking about a player that's played six NBA basketball games, this perspective, perspective is everything, folks. Uh, that's what I would say to kind of wrap that, that kind of uh, discussion up. Yes. And we will go on to our third and final topic for today's podcast. Um, I don't know how we're doing on time, but we'll, we'll just, we'll just go into these um, and, and give one positive about the Pistons season so far. Um, for me, um, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, they've remained relatively injury free. I think that's good. And um, the, the one thing that we had talked about uh, extensively in our little preseason pod is the lineup distribution. And I, I, I feel confident in Dwayne Casey's decision-making for the rotation. Maybe not the play calling. Cause again, my uh, Mason Plumlee isolation play that can't, that could not possibly have been his play call there in today's game. It seems impossible, but yet it was, I'm, I'm still confident in the rotation and a lot of those young guys getting minutes. Sadiq Bey has looked very, very good. Giving those young guys time. Isaiah Stewart, offensive rebounding leader in the NBA, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, seeing the young guys flourish early. And, yeah, we talked about Hayes having some problems. But Bay playing really well. Stewart playing well. Um, <laughs> I am interested to know if you're going to talk about Jeremy Grant. But he's got to be up there as a huge positive, too, after getting lambasted for the signing, you know, he's played pretty well. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. And that's who I was going to talk about, but he's made me eat my words. Um, I questioned the signing from two perspectives. One, it was a lot of money for what we had seen Jeremy Grant do in Denver Two, It was a raw, a, a questionable signing based off of the, the roster that Detroit already had in terms of having Blake Griffin and having say Kudamboya and drafting Sadiq Bay. Um, they had a lot of wings. And so the signing definitely confused me from that standpoint. I also thought, I'll be honest, I thought it was a lot of money for a role player, three and D guy. And Jeremy Grant has come out and he has shut me up uh, incredibly well. He's scoring the ball at a very effective, efficient level. He's comfortable putting the ball on the floor and he's shooting the ball uh, very well. He is a phenomenal basketball player. Uh, he uses his length. He uses his athleticism to uh, knock down some incredibly tough looks from inside the arc. And he takes some awkward looking three pointers at times. Um, but he is, he has really played very good basketball. And when it's becoming more and more apparent that Blake Griffin just isn't the guy anymore um, to have a guy like Jeremy Grant to play alongside and play with Sadiq Bay and, and Sekou and Boya, that's something that is very intriguing to me. I, I, I understand the importance of developing your young players and getting them all the minutes and whatnot, but they can't play all 48 and they are young enough to where they're not going to win you basketball games and keep you competitive. 
Jeremy Grant is a, a player that will keep you competitive in basketball games. He will probably not win you basketball games, but he will keep you competitive. And I think that is what is most important uh, for this Detroit basketball team is learning to, to develop their young guys while remaining competitive, but not necessarily winning games this year. Uh, Grant has been awesome and he is shooting the ball very well. Um, his stats aren't updated yet from the Sunday game, but through five games, he's, he's averaged, uh, you know, He's played very, very good basketball. Uh, he's averaging 23 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, one and a half assists, one and a half blocks, one steal. He's shooting, you know, 45% from the field, 34% from the three-point line. He's just been playing really good basketball. And if that's something that can keep up for a full season, it'll give the Detroit the option of trading him if they want to trade him and, you know, get an asset, a draft pick, something of that nature, or it'll give them a player uh, to, to mess around with and play with and, um, you know, just have a guy that is capable of being a very good player on both ends of the floor. Jeremy Grant's been awesome. Uh, he's definitely shut me up. I'm definitely willing to say that I've been wrong about that. One other guy I wanted to talk about was Josh Jackson, who has also looked really, really good. Uh, these these flyers that Detroit took on guys, I would say Grant is a flyer because of the money that they gave him. Uh, that was certainly a flyer, uh, giving that kind of guy that much money. Uh, for what he had done, and he has come out and earned it, just the same as Josh Jackson has. Uh, very unfortunate to see him go down uh, in Sunday's game with a right ankle injury. Uh, it was not a pretty play, but uh, hopefully he is all right. Those two guys have looked really good, uh, and, and, and that kind of goes a little with the – when you look at those two guys, the newcomers in general, the rookies and, and these two guys, uh, Mason Plumlee's even played pretty well. Troy Weaver's additions have made a very positive impact on the Detroit Pistons. So uh, if my positive isn't Jeremy Grant, maybe it's the Troy Weaver acquisitions overall for the Pistons this, this season so far. Yeah. And, and with, with Grant, it, it's important to note that he's being, you know, he's been a very good role player for basically his entire career. He averaged nine field goal attempts per game last year. He's averaging 18 field goal attempts this year. I mean, he's being asked to do so much more. And so far, at least, um, as you said, he, he is, he's living up to that contract and providing uh, the Pistons with some play that um, I don't really know if they were expecting it to be quite this good right off the bat, but you know, 23 points a game. I mean, that's, it's more than his career high. I mean, if you added up his average points per game last two seasons, it's not, you know, it's just barely over that. So he, he's, he's been very good. Um, Sadiq Bay as well. I just wanted to look up his stats. This is through, it looks like this is through four games. He's averaging nine and a half points a game with five boards. I'd say that's pretty darn good. Um, I know that Tim uh, is, is probably glowing <laughs> over, over some of these numbers. He's a Sadiq Bay guy. Um, just looks really solid. I and mean, he is a little older for a rookie. So maybe you expect him to be a, a little bit more polished, but I it's a, so far he's off to a very, very nice start um, as well. Um, any other notes you wanted to go over, Aaron? In, I mean, the team's not good. Killian Hayes has been a rookie point guard, uh, and Blake Griffin's been kind of bad to the point where we're already talking about moving him uh, or trying to move him or think about what we could possibly get. Are there any other notes from the first six Pistons games that you wanted to uh, bring up? The last thing I'll say is Dwayne Casey is going to go with the Vets. He's talked about, I'm going to throw my, my young guys into the fire. But what we've seen so far in every game, down the stretch, he's going with his vets. Derrick Rose has closed every game. 
Mason Plumley's closing every game. Uh, even Jaleel Okafor came back and got took some minutes from Isaiah Stewart on Sunday. Um, Svi is not in the rotation over DeLon Wright. Uh, the, Dwayne Casey is going to go with his vets for the time being, and that is something that is something to monitor as we progress throughout the season because guys need to be on the court that are a part of your future long term, or at least are young and have potential and. Um, I think that's something that needs to definitely change as, as time goes on. So uh, that that's kind of like my last note, <laughs> my last thoughts and last topic that I kind of wanted to bring up um, was that's just something to monitor moving forward. Yeah. And something we talked about prior to the season beginning is it's going to be interesting to see what those rotations look like. And, you know, a lot of coaches are going to lean on the more experienced vets in certain situations and that's just something the Pistons fans are going to have to deal with. You're going to see Mason Plumlee. You're going to see Derek Rose out there. You're going to see Griffin. I know there was even talk of why is Blake Griffin out there in the last, I think it was the last 20 seconds of today's game. You know, it was pretty clear that they were going to have to switch on defense. And it's also pretty clear he's incapable of doing that. His mobility is clearly not where it needs to be or where it can be. You know, that, that talk is going to persist through the season. Um, so if you're not already, uh, you know, prepared for it, pre- uh, prepared for some of those lineup discussions and questions, then I would probably get acclimated to, uh, to Pistons Twitter. Or if you don't want to uh, get angry at yourself for, for reading some of the things that I've read and that you've probably read over the last couple of days, just avoid the whole thing and continue to do what we said uh, you should do in our preseason podcast, which is just enjoy these young guys and the ups and downs. Beating Boston is fun. That's a fun game. Is it not? Oh, it was fun. It was a that's fun. fun. That's fun. That's how it, that's how it should be. And those wins are going to be fun. And uh, there might not be many of them. So you should probably enjoy them while they last. <laughs> um, anything else, Aaron, before we let the viewers or rather the listeners go. Well, uh, I think maybe now is the time that we should announce our, our golf podcast uh, with the show today. But no, uh, we had a lot today, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again, and we'll, we'll keep talking Pistons, and hopefully uh, you guys will keep enjoying it. You joke, but Jacob is already preparing a graphic for the Palace of Pistons golf podcast. Um, this is going to become a – we're going to have a, a Palace of Pistons uh, golf outing in the summer. I am all for it. I will make the drive up to Michigan for the Palace of Pistons golf outing. I am all for it. Oh, goodness. Hey, you never, you never know. You never know. You never know. Okay. Well, um, Aaron, as always, thanks. Uh, This is always fun. Um, Pistons fans, we hope that some Killian Hayes negativity um, doesn't ruin the rest of your experience the rest of the season. But Uh, For Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you very, very much for listening. And thank you to our sponsor as well, Thrive Fantasy. And uh, we will uh, be back and you will hear from us soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.